0: Hello and welcome to another episode, or should I say, the final episode of Joe Blogs about films for 2021, 20, that is, don't worry, we'll be back before you know it in the new year. But what a year it's been for me, I, I have I just love having the option again to go to the cinema, when the cinema's opened in May... Ah, oh, it was just great. Like honestly, it was such a great relief. And and I, I mean, obviously they opened the cinemas during the initial COVID pandemic for a couple of months or so. I got to see a couple of films such as Tenet last year, which is probably like the biggest film that came out last year uh, at the cinema. That is. I also got to see Empire Strikes Back on the big screen, which was great because I uh, love me some Star Wars. But you know, 2020 was just a on a personal level such a just a terrible and and very difficult year for me. So this year. I've kind of just enjoyed, like I say, escaping for just a few hours in the cinema because that's 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 my jam. You know, I, I love going to watch films. I love seeing new films. This list that I've put together of my favourite films of the year, I'm not saying these are the top films of 2021. These are just my personal favourites of the year, uh, is what we're going to go over in this particular episode. I'm not going to sit and go over and fully in depth break down the films because you can probably catch pretty much, I think, every film except one that's on this list. Um, you'll be able to catch that actual podcast review on Joe Blogs About Films, would you believe? Before I jump into the list, though, massive thank you to you guys, though, of course, for listening, for tuning, for sharing, uh, for supporting, of course. And, and it just really does mean the world. Um, if you want to find this podcast, it's available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts, as to rss.com. And also jump onto Facebook and give the page a like, Joe Blogs About Films. Yeah, I'll leave it there then. So here, let's get straight into it, because... This list was a lot easier in a way because I went through the I went through my reviews that I've done already of, of films this year and gone over like what I enjoyed the most. And it, at times I did find it a bit difficult. It was maybe easier towards the top three, maybe, uh, but the rest to pad it all out. Like I've I've enjoyed all of these films, but in their own right. And I wouldn't necessarily say that the number that they are on reflects. You know, what I mean, like oh, this is number ten, therefore the one that's at number eight is. I mean, yeah, you could probably say it is better, but I just enjoyed these films. What I'm trying to say is this list is a, just a. Just a list of films I've I've enjoyed, which yeah, obviously Joe, come on. Uh, so in number ten, I've gone for James Gunn's *The Suicide Squad* because. When this came out, I fell in love with it. Like, I thought it was great fun, action-packed, a cast that was just incredible. Like, everyone was given the right, like, layers, and it wasn't as if, like, oh, we'll just focus on these guys, and then the rest is just kind of padding the rest out, which you do see in kind of ensemble films. No, every single character in this film was just really fun. Like, I think that James Gunn, like I said on my podcast, was this is, like, the most James Gunn film... You know, celebrating his work, that is a bit like similar to how I said about Malignant, which that's not on the list because I was a little bit underwhelmed and disappointed with that film from James Wan. Like it celebrates their work, and I think this is the most James Gunn film. That I've seen, anyways. So, if you've got any recommendations of, of work that James Gunn has done, then, then please do. If I've missed something, then let me know. Because, like I said, the story in this is just so much fun. It's a real, real, like, kind of just action packed adventure film with just a sprinkle of James Gunn, James Gunnanism, I should say, <laughs> like his, his, like, comedy traits i should say because margot robbie retainers harley quinn's fantastic idris elba as well as Bloodsport. my god like seriously this guy what an actor like everything every time i see idris in anything i'm always like oh man even in the office when he's, he pops up for a few episodes in the office as charles minor i'm like i hate his character but i love idris all the same and and that's the thing as following on from luther and stuff it's great to see him kind of getting that recognition in hollywood and and yeah really really excellent stuff surprise package for me obviously aside from polka dot man which is a like something i never thought i would be saying in terms of what i really enjoyed polka dot man of everyone in in the film, I thought he was a great character. But I enjoyed John Cena's performance in this because I'm a little bit hit and miss with John Cena. But I did feel that Peacemaker and and like what he what he brought to the film was was really excellent. And and again, I say the rest of the cast that that are in there really excellent stuff. I thought the story was fun and yeah, really 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 great time in the cinema watching that one. I must say, it's weird thing that was August time or something. It's flown since then, hasn't? It? Let's be honest. Uh, the next film I'm gonna go for is Edgar Wright, one of my favorite directors. He brought out a horror thriller film entitled Last Night in Soho went down really, really well. And and I I was intrigued by it when he put a post up on his social media front saying please don't spoil the ending. And I was like, oh, is this like endgame level? Are we going to get like crossovers or something? I'm not kidding. I just was very intrigued by it. From the trailers and everything that we saw, it gave very, very little away. I just liked what he was going for within this film. It was like, okay, it's an Edgar Wright film, but something that we've never seen before. There are those classic Edgar Wright shots and everything that that he brings to to cinema and to film. But at the same time, it's something completely different. And I think that it was a very, very well-captivated, well-thought-out story, well-written by Christy Wilson-Cairns alongside Edgar Wright as well. I thought those two were teaming up we're a great partnership and I would love to see them do something more and something similar to this because some of the scares in this film, like Jesus, honestly, there's some real, real like jumpy moments in there. I think Edgar Wright has kind of been working to this. We've seen it over the course of some of his films. He has those kind of like darker moments within his comedy films, but I feel that this was a great step for him, and, I, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what, where he goes next. Obviously, the the stars of this film, and McKenzie and Anya Taylor Joy, the two leads there, incredible. and McKenzie in particular, I felt that she portrayed this character in complete like turmoil, completely out of her depth in this London, in the, obviously the city of London. Sorry, you know, kind of almost being chewed up and spat out, kind of, you know, that 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 you know reflected so well in the performance and Anya. Taylor-Joy joy you know what what happened to her character through the past in the 60s you know it's quite tragic and to see where that goes alongside Matt Smith as well I thought it was very well like I say a very well written story and I thought that the ending was really 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 great so if you've not seen this one yet make sure you do check it out and that's going to be at number nine on my list coming to number eight this is a personal choice of mine this is Godzilla versus Kong I absolutely was so hyped for this film me and my dad were massive Godzilla fans kaiju fans this that and the other anything big monster related you know like Cloverfield anything like that I was going to be all for it. And Godzilla vs. Kong is a film they've been working towards within the Monsterverse, Legendary and Toho teaming together to bring us this, uh, these, these stories of just big-ass monsters destroyed causing mayhem. I mean, the first Godzilla directed by Gareth Edwards is one of my all-time favourite films. I know it's a more recent film to be saying that's one of my all-time favourites, but it is, it really is. I thought it was a very well represented and reflected um, like interpretation of this famous character. And then following that, we had King of the Monsters, which I was a little bit underwhelmed with, I'm not going to lie. I was very hyped for it, but then, you know Kong Skull Island, obviously that was a great, great addition to this MonsterVerse. But Gods of the vs Kong was just, as it said on the tin, you know, two. Huge heavyweights going at it and causing like absolute destruction wherever they go. I think that there's some great what what they did is I feel that in the, in the writers room and such they were like right we need to bring something that we've not seen before or fight sequences that we've not seen them take place before such as like on a on like a carrier within the sea kind of thing. You know they have got these two massive monsters giving it large at sea and such and it's it's like who's got the upper hand and where Adam Wingard I thought did a great job with the use of color as well. It's a very very visually stunning film. The CGI in this film. just, it's like so bloody good. Like it is on another level. There's a sequence at the start of the film I mentioned in my podcast where Godzilla's heading in the sea and he comes up like you just see his head it's almost like reminiscent of the of jaws it's like, a little bit of a nod to jaws but his face just looks so real like the gums and the teeth and stuff i was like jesus we have we have we have really progressed with cgi haven't we let's be honest but i thought that this was a very good party film i thought that they really like nailed it mecha godzilla as well as an addition was just great for, for fans like me who've like you know i got into godzilla thanks to the 1998 the infamous 1998 film and then from then i watched all the classics this that and the other and i've always loved and wished to see godzilla to see Godzilla, sorry, take on Mechagodzilla, or at least just have Mechagodzilla in a film, and we got it and I thought it was really, really well executed, and it's a film, like I said, that was delayed, and unfortunately like I said, I, I, I wish I would have seen this first at the cinema, I watched it on at home, because you could rent it, so I watched it at home and then I went to see it at the cinema still, because obviously Um, and it's just a great great fun film, really just like I said not nothing too, you know, they're not trying to be too, like, too arty, this is just monsters against monsters, and the humans can get in the way if they want, <laughs> they will get stamped on, basically, so that's coming in at number eight on my list at number seven zach schneider's justice league now this was something of a like just sheer brilliance of four hours wasn't it let's be honest i think that We'd wait, we'd wanted to see this film as fans of his work for so long. I I say of his work, of of knowing that this film existed. Because Schneider, for me, is a very hit and miss director. I think he's done some great stuff. Some stuff that I didn't actually mind the film that he did that was Netflix, the Army of the Dead film. I thought it was okay, it wasn't amazing, but I did enjoy his like new take and new twist on the zombie genre because it's a bit stale now, isn't it? Like, you know, I'm a big Walking Dead fan and stuff. So, anyways, I'm not talking about that. I just want to talk about his, uh, his Schneider cut because. Josh Whedon stepped in back in 2017 when Justice League was meant to, co- was, was meant to come out Sorry, and uh, did a terrible job like it was horrendous, like it was awful like beyond awful, like Christ what did he do? Especially when you see this like complete vision of what Schneider had and it pains me a little bit more that he's not going to get to finish his vision because this film really sets up for more to come and I'd love to see Justice League part 2 or part 3 or whatever he had in mind for it but I'm really happy as as, as a comic fan, as, as a superhero fan that we, the fans, got to see this film because it's un. Believable, like well, the the difference in what we got in twenty seventeen compared to what this film is. I mean, having Darkseid in it was incredible, and seeing his like m- magnitude on the story, almost like and and the just everything felt better. Everything that was wrong with the original one in twenty seventeen was so much better in this version. Like I said Ben Affleck's Batman was great. He was the Batman that we were familiar with because for whatever reason they made him into like this just jokey guy in the in the twenty seventeen cut it was like, oh, it's getting a bit too serious. Batman, crack a line. And you're like, what this is what what? Superman's return as well, I thought was so much better. I just felt that everything that felt that was completely terrible because the 2017 version was atrocious. Like, I I have no nice words. to say. I actually binned my copy of the 2017 version. I don't usually do that. I usually sell it. But this was like, nope, need to go. As soon as Snyder Cut came out, I was like, I can't be dealing with this. Because, like, you look at Ray Fisher and everything that's gone off and behind the scenes with with Warner Brothers and you think, what was going on? What was happening in 2017? Like, with Gal Gadot as well, but particularly, obviously, Ray Fisher. What were they thinking in the studio? I, I just don't understand it. I just, it annoys me so much more. And this is why, like, Films like Matrix Resurrections or even like don't look up and stuff when they're poking fun at like certain, certain things, especially like Matrix Resurrections, poking fun at studios and such, you, you can't help but be like, you, yeah, this is this is what you do. Cyborg was a massive, massive, massive part of the story. And to cut him out completely from 2017 was just a disgrace, if I'm being honest, especially when you see what Schneider was going for in this. And I think this is, for me, is definitely his best film that he's done um, easily for me. Because like, I'm not a big fan of 300 films that he's done. Definitely wasn't a fan of Watchmen. I enjoy Batman vs. Super. But I had to, I had to watch the extended cut to enjoy it, and that's when I'm a bit like, I don't know, like I shouldn't, shouldn't take nearly three hours for you to enjoy a film that's got Batman versus Superman in. So this, for me, with the Justice League, Schneider cut, easily, easily my favourite piece of work that Schneider's done. And I was really impressed with it. I think everyone involved, everyone involved deserves, like I said, particularly Schneider, deserves such high praise for it. And I know that everyone was really, really, as fans were really impressed with it as well. So yeah, really, really great film. After that, I'm going to go with John Krasinski's A Quiet Place Part 2, which again was a film that was delayed due to COVID and initially was meant to come out in March 2020, just as we went into lockdown pretty much. And again, this film just tops everything that I was expecting, really. I think that, yes, it's going to be quite difficult at times to you know, kind of make those scares scary still when you've already done a film before. But I still think he nailed it. Like he made us his, his audience really tense and really claustrophobic at times as well and really, you know, taking away the elements of sound as well when characters like Regan within the film obviously have got hearing impairments, removing sound and music and everything so you can just hear what she's hearing. It's disorientating and it's very, very tense, especially when you know what kind of monsters are lurking out there and they they, they also use sound, they don't have sight. So it's... It's, it was really good. And adding Killian Murphy as well to the cast was such a great addition. I would love to see more of this this whole world, you know. We got to see, for me, as I said in my podcast, one of the greatest opening sequences to a film I've seen in a long time. I'm a sucker for an alien invasion for anything like that, so obviously I'm gonna be all over this. But when you see that first day of everything going to just hell, chaos and you know unfolding, and obviously the, the meteor coming down, that obviously is carrying these 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 monsters or aliens or whatever. It's just a striking vision. I remember, I remember seeing this visual and just being like, "That is put them in, put that in my place." If I was there, what would you do? Like, I mean, and I felt that it was so well performed, especially in that opening sequence where it did feel like a real reaction to it because no one would just straight away be like oh my god like papers everywhere run for your life like i mean yeah you'd 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 try to get out in in a bit of a hurry but i think that because there's confusion and not really no one's sure what's going on it just felt so real and so human if that's uh, if that's the best way i can say it but I-, I thought that it was a really great film all in all does leave it open for another one or at least a return to this universe and i am all all for it believe you me i would love to see another quiet place whether it's a spin-off i'd like obviously to see quiet place part two but as long as we get to see more of this uh this world Yep, I will be sat here waiting patiently. Uh, after that, I'm going to go for The Guilty, which was again a Netflix film that we did go to the cinema, and I wished I'd have gone to the cinema to see it because Antoine Fuqua did a great job with this. It's a it's a remake of a Danish film of the same name, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, who is one of my favorite actors. I love watching Gyllenhaal. I think a lot of my friends know as well just how much I appreciate his work, and I love that when you watch him, I I feel that he's the best actor to kind of make you forget he is an actor like I I, I don't see him and think that's Jake all playing a performance it's a bit like similar to Leo you know it's Leo and you know it's Jake it's just that they're playing these characters that are so well performed that you don't think oh well you know you don't you don't refer him to him as like oh Leo's just you know it's just Leo acting again kind of thing I, I mean I know it is but it, I'm, I'm, it's weird to try to say this but basically they they make me forget that they are actors if that's if you get it I don't know you might get it with someone else I don't know like it's, 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 it's up to you um, but no I thought The Guilty was a great great film just to kind of keep us in that one place that 9-1, that 911 call centre Jake Gyllenhaal is already a, a, a police officer that's been uh, put back into a a smaller role he's been demoted for something he's done outside in the field he's then assigned to do call dispatch and he receives a call about a a, a, a obviously a kidnapping an alleged kidnapping and the, the film takes off from there and it's such a great, crazy but great journey. And to see this story unfold through the eyes and ears, sorry, of Jake Gillenall. I th- I was so captivated by it. Some people said it might have, some people I know watched it and said it was a little bit dull, a little bit boring, but that's that's completely fair. I get it. It is one of those films because it doesn't really go anywhere and and, and it's literally, like I say, solely focusing. On acting voices and and Jake Gyllenhaal reacting to it, it can become a little bit like oh, I'm not really feeling this. But for me, that is what I love. They're the films I really dig when it's just one place and it's just an actor keeping the audience like can you just just so captivated in their performance. A little bit like Locke starring Tom Hardy, which is a great film. If you've not seen it, I would highly recommend you check that out. If you're a fan of The Guilty, go watch. Go watch. Um, Lock. sorry I forgot what it's called there a second. Really, really great. But The Guilty for me was a great surprise. And if I'm being honest with seeing the trailer, I knew that I was going to enjoy it purely on Jake Gyllenhaal's amazing performance. But still, yeah, loved it all the same. Great, great work. Coming in then at number, is this four? Yes, I believe it is four. Um, I'm going to go with Ghostbusters Afterlife. This was a film that I was like, I'm going to go into the cinema with okay expectations. Like, you know, just a little bit like below average because it could be very good. It could be really bad. But it was beyond very good for me. Like I thought, this was a great, great addition to the to the Ghostbusters franchise because it's difficult enough as it is to try and carry on a story. But when you've not got one of the original Ghostbusters as well, um, I I feel that it can, it can be trickier, especially if you're wanting to continue that story. But what Jason Reitman did was, with this was just beautiful like so beautiful the storytelling was amazing like everything from practical effects to performances like i say and the cgi of course you know it's it was just so ghostbusters that it was just amazing to watch and like i say, i got emotional in the cinema watching this film because it reminded me of why i fell in love with ghostbusters why i've loved watching these sci-fi films growing up and why i just love cinema if i'm being honest and it may have not struck the same chords with other l- listeners of the podcast or other fans of Ghostbusters, I should say, but I still can't help but think that this is easily one of the best sequels that Ghostbusters has, has had, or at least one of the best sequels I've seen in, in quite some time. I think that it was all handled perfectly. You know, McKenna Grace, as well as Phoebe, was a great lead. I thought she was just a great actor, and the chemistry that she had with Paul Rudd as well was just great. And of course, Logan, Kimmer's podcast. I mentioned him in my uh, in my podcast episode about Ghostbusters, just how much I felt that you know his performance alongside McKenna Grace was very like reminiscent of the you know of, of ray and spengler together it was great it was lovely it was very heartwarming and a very great just just an all round lovely film uh, i really do recommend if you've not seen it to make sure you add this to your list because if you love Ghostbusters then you you will really dig this film like it is great it's kind of like the the right level of fan service for me like i know that there's another film that's coming up short that's got a great level of fan service as well but you know this 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 is this is wonderful like it, it captivated everything that was right about Ghostbusters and just brought it to 2021 and, and I thought I just fell in love with it, so really, really excellent film, great work there from Jason Reitman, I'm sure his father will be really proud of this film so yes, hats off to him and hopefully we get more of, uh, more Ghostbusters, I'm all for it now, of course. Uh, after this at number three, we're going with Dune because Dune was one of the films, like I said, that I was, I was looking forward to but I had no knowledge of the film like or even the story so that probably, you probably sat there thinking how possibly can you not know anything about Dune like I'd, I'd heard of the, you know, I'd heard of the st- the book and such, and heard all the you know the references and how much it inspired so much of cinema. But it's only when you actually like see this this film or read the story that you realise just what it did for the rest of cinema or sci-fi in particular. You know, Star Wars. You know, Star Wars is a great example like of what inspired that. George Lucas must you know must have really loved Dune and then kind of not not mimicked it because Star Wars is is, is its own creation, its own entity. But there's just so much in this film in particular that I was like, yeah, this is. Beyond, beyond amazing. Like I think on my podcast, I was like pretty much gushing, <laughs> gushing over it. Um, Denis Villeneuve is an absolute masterclass as a as a, a filmmaker. You know, his work on you know Blade Runner twenty forty nine was just stupendous. Like when you look at the visuals and everything he got in that, you are blown away by it, and it's taking that on a grander, grander scale, because Dune has some excellent, like, say, some great work, obviously, with the CGI, but it's the practical effects, again, like, the, the the sets that they're on, this is, it's so real, like, he hardly ever used CGI for some of the scenes or sequences, because it was all there for him, like, he made sure it was on location, he made sure that everything felt real, and made this world alive and i was absolutely blown away by it like it was such an absolute visually stunning film massive cast as well i've already mentioned before about how sometimes you can have a big cast and the film can be absolutely pants this is not that film this is a film that has got great actors in there and everyone involved is absolutely 10 out of 10 josh brolin jason momoa timothy chalamet of course rebecca ferguson fantastic as well zendaya Oscar Isaac, the list goes on, there's a number, that's just some of them, but there's so many others in this film that are absolutely amazing, and I cannot wait to see the story creation, because I believe it's only like a third of the story that we've been told, so give me the rest, I will be in the cinema waiting very, very patiently, don't you worry, really, really excellent film, June, it's so, so, so good. Uh, Number two, No Time To Die, we have No Time To Die, and James Bond's Daniel Craig's last outing as James Bond, sorry, was just everything that we wanted as fans and more. Like, I like Bond. My fiancé loves Bond, like a family love Bond. So this was a great, great, like, experience in the cinema once again, obviously going with her and her family, because this was just the send-off that we wanted. Because I, I, I wouldn't say I hated Spectre. I would say that after Skyfall, it was always going to be a very difficult story to continue, or at least kind of to top Skyfall is what I'm trying to get at. Like, I think that they definitely had an idea with, with Spectre and I think there was elements that obviously No Time To Die wouldn't work without Spectre, don't get me wrong. But I just think that if that was going to be his last outing, because obviously Daniel Craig had some infamous quotes around, you know, after Spectre had came out, saying that he'd rather cut his wrist with glass than do another Bond film, this, that, and the other. It seemed like he was pretty much done with the film. And I felt that Inspector Towards the end of Spectre, I was like, he really doesn't want to do this anymore, does he? Because he just doesn't seem arsed. And that was a great shame. And I was a little bit disappointed and underwhelmed with Spectre. Quite, quite a lot, so in fairness. So for him to come back for no time to die, they must have really pulled out that paycheck because it was great and and like I said all, all the you know the, the back of you know what I've just said about this that and the other about his stuff with with Spectre sorry like him not enjoying it or whatever like you can tell this was like he loved doing this film and there were things within this film that I was like that's so not James Bond but I am so so loving it like some of the, the sequences in particular the beginning you know it's so eerie and so intense and almost thriller-esque like it's got some great jumps in there but I just couldn't help but fall in love with the story I thought everyone involved in this film acting wise was so good Anna de Armis, I love I really can't wait to see more of her, of her work. Obviously, her working Knives Out alongside Daniel Craig as well was it was incredible, but I felt that she was a great... Like, all the Bond girls in this film were like your Bond girls, but they were badass. They weren't just, like, damsel in distresses or just someone for James Bond to copperfield. feel, you know what I mean, or just make some stupid innuendo joke or whatever it was like these these female characters in this film were, were so well represented and so well performed uh lashana lynch as well as know the the new 007 obviously her, her character's so good and the, the the like i said the balance and the and the, and the relationship that the, the kind of blossoms between her and james bond is is very great but i just felt that it was a great last send-off as well Leia Sado and rami malik you know filling out that cast as well just so good man like this film was was really really great a great action film, great Bond film, and a great film for cinema twenty twenty one. Cause yeah, really great send-off. Which leads me to my final film, which you probably by number of you know, by the elimination and, and looking at what I've said already, it's easy or even podcast-wise, it's probably easy to see what my favorite film is of the year. I know I said obviously at the start this doesn't this list doesn't really reflect like the order of like, oh that's better than that. Or, this is just my favourite films of the year. And I'm gonna go with obviously Spider-Man No Way Home as my number one favourite film of the year. I just... I saw it again last night. It was like the third time. I'm probably going to be going again as well. And it's um, it's just incredible. Like, it's just so good. It's like everything, everyone involved in Spider-Man No Way Home, John Watts is the director, you know, even Sony and Marvel for coming together and just, like, sorting it all out. Like, I just... I, I can't help but just love this film. Like, I'm trying to toy with the idea of thinking, is this my favourite MCU film ever, or, like, best comic film ever? Um, and I I am definitely leaning towards that, because, I, I you know, the argument that I'm finding is, is it better than Infinity War? Because Infinity War was a great ensemble and a great film all around, great story from the Russo brothers. But I love Spider-Man more. Like, I've loved Spider-Man since I was a kid. Like, Spider-Man was, like, my first comic book, I like kind of, like... That I started reading. Um, and then obviously Batman followed and such, but like Spider-Man was just that character that I just fell in love with. And having like this celebration of him by bringing in these villains and some other surprises within the film, it just felt amazing. And it's the least MCU Spidey film out of the three. You know, it just feels great. It just feels like we are just watching a Spider-Man film and not having to worry about the bigger picture. This is solely just just yeah, his film. And and the the villains in this film, you know, just I've already mentioned before like Willem Dafoe, Willem. William the Goat is what they're saying online. Like, there's, it just can't help but just think, why did you put a mask on him? Like, why did you do it? Like in the first one, like when when he can perform as well as he did, and and he really does for me like steal the show. Like out of, there's there's a lot of people in this film, and Tom Holland's performance as well is absolutely incredible as Peter Parker. We do see that kind of, you know, heartbreak and turmoil and some dark themes within this film for Tom Holland to go through, and I think that he really does just nail his acting like acts his bloody heart out but him and Willem Dafoe are the two main people in this film that I absolutely adore to watch I think that they so so good like so dark between the two of them um yeah just an excellent excellent film if you've seen it you'll know why and there's a lot more that I'm not saying there that make this film uh, easily easily my favorite film of the year so there we have it. That is my list. That is my 10. I think that was 10. I'm sure it was. But still, that was my list. And that's my 10 uh, favorite films of 2021. It's been great this year. Like other honorable mentions, I should say as well, maybe Spiral from the Book of Saw as a Saw fanatic. I love the Saw films, one of the only horror franchise that I do, uh, do, uh, do enjoy a lot um was you know he's the saw films and i did enjoy spiral but i think that the other films in this list have just pipped him to it so sadly no spiral but i hope you guys had a great year for film as well i hope you've enjoyed seeing so much that's been coming out there's obviously a lot that i've not even seen so if you have any recommendations as well please do send them my way before i do finish like i said at the start i just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened since i started this podcast in may On a personal level, you know, I started this podcast purely because I miss talking about films with my dad um, and TV, of course, with my dad. So this has kind of been a very helpful, uh, well... In some way, it's been therapy for me. It's been a great release, and to be able to kind of give you what I give you my thoughts, right what I think of films and reviews. I'm not claiming to be Mr. Knowledge and Mr. Noah all about films. I just love films a lot, and I love talking about them. So for people to click on, whether it's every episode or even just a few, it has meant the world to me. So really, thank you ever so much for for listening. In. I'll make sure as well that we do, um, yeah, that we that we crack on as well in 2022. There's a great amount of films coming out. I think Scream is out in January. The new Scream film which I'll make sure to be checking out and plodding along on the podcast. So, yeah, I just want to say I hope you had a lovely Christmas and I hope you have a fantastic new year. All the best and everything. I'll be back in 2022 with lots more to talk about, don't you worry, of film and TV. Until then, though, take care.